Welcome, my true crime roadies. I'm your host, Angela Baum, along with my husband, Larry, and this is Trucking True Crime Podcast, a true crime show where we focus on true crime stories that happen within the trucking industry. But don't worry, you don't need to know anything about the trucking industry to listen and enjoy the show. You just need to be a fan of true crime. And if that's you, then welcome inside. As a reminder, if you'd like to learn more about our life over the road as team truck drivers, you can listen to our other podcast, Married to the Road, where we share our lives over the road and stories along the way with our three furry dogs. As a reminder, our podcast discusses true crimes and murders. This is not a show for the faint of heart, and this is not intended for young audiences. Have you ever been interested about what all it takes to be a truck driver out here, delivering the goods all across America? Or more importantly, what is it like being a team trucker out here with your significant other 24 hours a day in a small confined space, working together, eating together, sleeping together, you name it. If you've ever been curious about the trucking industry, please listen to Larry and I's other podcast, Married to the Road. Again, that's married, the number two, the road. Please be sure to give it a listen today and don't forget to hit that follow button. Welcome back all my Trekking True Crime fans. I am so thrilled you decided to join us this week. I am your host, Angela Baum. I am a full-time truck driver with a passion for true crime. So I decided to put my two loves together to create this podcast. Before we get on with today's case, if you would please give us a five-star rating wherever you are currently listening to our podcast at. Also, please be sure to visit Trekking True Crime Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Before we get on with today's show, I do want to give a warning that today's show does have to do with a case of stalking. So if this is not your cup of tea or if you feel that this might trigger you, Feel free to skip this week's episode and join us next week. Now, let's get on with our show. So, this week's story comes from a city called Redmond in the state of Washington. So, there was a software engineer up there. Her name was Zohair Sagdi. And I do want to say, starting off, that the names in this story are really long. And I do apologize if I mispronounce them. But she was a 33-year-old software engineer who lived up in Redmond, Washington. She'd been married for several years to um, a gentleman that she had met in high school. And they had been longtime friends and then wound up getting married. He was also 35 years old. And he also worked in the tech industry just like her. So she had eventually decided that she wanted to create a podcast. And her idea for the podcast was that she was Iranian. And so she was wanting to develop a podcast where she would develop it for uh, people who spoke Farsi. And for people who may not be familiar, Farsi is the Perugian language that people who are from Iran and Iraq speak. And so she wanted to offer a podcast to her Farsi people where she could help them learn how they could get really profitable jobs in the tech industry. We all know that we've seen the tech boom over the last 20 years. And so she was just trying to offer her insights and her opinions on how they could get some really good 
tech jobs within the industry in the United States. So she began doing a weekly podcast and over a while it became really popular and she was offering really great tips and insights to her Farsi people on how they could get great engineering in all kinds of fields within the tech industry. So she wound up deciding at one point when her podcast was starting to kind of develop steam, starting to get more popular, that she wanted to be able to reach out to her listeners more and develop more of a one-on-one personal relationship with them, where she could offer some coaching and kind of help them develop their tech careers. So she downloaded an app called Clubhouse, and she started using that with all of her fans and followers as another way that they could communicate with her and get to know her a little bit better. So the way the Clubhouse app worked was that people could go onto this Clubhouse clubhouse app and she could leave them like recorded messages so like she could go on there daily and say hey guys you know i'm getting ready to head to work and you know this is what's going on in the tech industry today but one of the other cool features that it also offered was it would allow her to have like chats where she could say hey tuesday night 7 p.m we're gonna have a chat come in and let's talk about you know different things within the tech industry and so it was her way of being able to reach out to her farsi community and help them, you know, get more information and tips and tricks on the getting new jobs within the tech industry. And it wound up becoming really popular and her viewers and fans really loved it because it gave them more of a way to kind of get to know her on more of a personal basis. So that's when a truck driver and his name is Ramin and I know I'm going to butcher his last name, so I apologize, but it is Ramin Kodakaramazia. Ooh, that's a mouthful. But he was a 38-year-old truck driver from Texas. And he started listening to her podcast and then found out that she had also downloaded the Clubhouse app and she was offering chats throughout the week. And so he started getting really involved in her podcast and started messaging her, telling her that he was a truck driver that was unhappy um, being a truck driver. And he was looking into getting into a more profitable career and thought maybe the tech industry was for him. So over the next few months, they developed a relationship. It was completely platonic where Zahar was just offering him information and tips and tricks. And so it initially started with just email conversations and then they would chat back and forth on the Clubhouse app. And then before long, the two of them did exchange phone numbers and they were texting back and forth. And so this just began a really good platonic relationship where Zahar thought that she was offering Ramin some really good advice on possibly uh, quitting his job in the trucking industry and moving into the tech industry. So the first time that she started to notice that maybe this was turning into more of a red flag type of situation was around May of last year. She noticed that when Ramin was starting to contact her, he was contacting her more and more frequently throughout the day where before they may only talk maybe a couple times a week, she was starting to notice that he was texting her like 20 to 25 times a day, calling and leaving messages on her phone. And she was also married to a 35-year-old man that she had been with since high school. So they've been together forever. She was not looking for any type of relationship. And she kind of felt that at this point, Ramin was starting to cross that line. And she was starting to get those red flags and just kind of started to feel... Like maybe he was becoming a little bit obsessed with her. 
So in June of that year, she wound up telling her fans in one of her podcast episodes that she was going to be heading to Colorado for a work conference and that she wasn't going to be able to do a podcast episode the following week because she had to go to this work conference. So she goes to Colorado and her husband does not go with her on this trip because he also had a work commitment. So she's in Colorado with some of her people from the tech industry, from her job, and she's at this conference. And so the whole day they had been in a conference, it was like an eight hour conference and she's coming back to the hotel and she's really, really super tired, looking to get some dinner and head up to her room. And in the lobby of the hotel is that truck driver that she'd been speaking to, Ramin. He was in the lobby of the hotel with a bouquet of flowers. And that immediately just said, you know, red flags everywhere, signals everywhere. You know, this was so inappropriate. He knew that she was married. There's no reason he should be at her hotel. And so feeling super uncomfortable, she did the right thing. And she went and told hotel security. She explained to him that, you know, this is a gentleman that follows me on my podcast. Um, she kind of felt that he was getting kind of obsessive. And the fact that he showed up at our hotel unannounced and with the bouquet of flowers really made her feel uneasy. So hotel security stepped in and said, listen, you know, Ramin, um, Zahara is not very comfortable with this. We need you to kind of leave the property. So he did. He left the property with no incident. The police didn't have to be called and everything seemed to be going okay. Well, a couple days later, Ramin started again with the texting and the calling. And it got to the point where Zahar, you know, had told him, listen, you know, I really don't want you to contact him anymore unless, you know, it's through the Clubhouse app. I don't want you calling my personal phone, leaving me text messages. It's really starting to creep me out. And for whatever reason, Ramin was just like not stopping. He didn't get the message. And it kept continuing to the point. That Zahir had to go to her phone provider and change her phone number. So this went on a couple more times where Zahir would get a new phone number and somehow Ramin would be able to get a hold of her phone number. And I believe she wound up having to change her phone number three different times. And somehow Ramin kept getting her information. So the first time that Zahir had to go and actually file a police report on him was back in December of last year. Um, it was one morning when her husband had left for work and it was like just a few minutes after her husband had left for work, she gets a knock at her door. And so she goes to her front door and who is on her front doorstep, but Ramin again with a bouquet of flowers, you know, this was completely inappropriate. She had never given him her home address. And the fact that, she felt that he had stalked her because of the timing of it. It was literally less than five minutes after her husband had left for work. So she had told the police when she filed the report in December, you know, how else would he know that my husband was not here? He showed up at my house with a bouquet of flowers and I have never given him my personal address. So she went ahead and filed the report. Nothing really came of the situation. Then again, in January of this year, 2023, the same thing happened again. A few minutes later, after her husband had left for work, again, Ramin showed up on her front doorstep, and again, he had a bouquet of flowers. <clears throat> so doing the right thing, Zahara went ahead and filed another police report because she wanted to make sure that she was at least documenting the incidents because, you know, this was crossing a border. She had done everything she could to let him know that she did not want anything more from him than a platonic relationship 
She had asked him to quit calling her, to quit texting her. And now he was going so far as showing up on her doorstep. And <clears throat> I guess what had happened was he had gotten a new route in his truck driving career where about once a month he had changed his route to make sure that he came through Redmond, Washington. And it was usually about every 30 days he would show up on our doorstep. So the text messages kept coming after she had changed her phone number three different times. And he was telling her that he had loads coming to her area of Redmond, Washington, and that he was going to stop and see her. And she kept telling him, you know, stop. I don't want you coming. I don't want to see you. Finally, on March 3rd of 2023, she had had enough. Her and her husband were starting to really get scared and really feeling threatened by this gentleman. And they decided that they had to do something. So they decided to go see a judge to see about getting a restraining order. Now, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with restraining orders, but typically when someone goes to get a restraining order, the restraining order is good for one year if it gets approved. Once it gets approved, it's good for one year. And then right before it expires, you can go in and have it renewed for another two years. Now, I don't know if every state is different, but this is how it was in the state of Washington. But Zahair felt that one year was not a long, was not a long enough time to help protect her from Ramin. She didn't feel like he was going to ever stop stalking her. And she wasn't sure if even doing a restraining order was going to stop him. But what she was hoping was that the judge would give her a restraining order that would be good for 99 years because she had told the judge that she just felt there was no way this man's going to stop stalking her and her husband. So the police went ahead and tried to serve Ramin with that restraining order. But there's one huge problem. He was an over-the-road truck driver and they were never able to serve him with that restraining order because every time they tried to locate him, he was either, you know, just left or they just missed him by a few days. So they were never able to serve him with that restraining order. In the restraining order, in the paperwork, she had stated that she feared for her life, that Ramin had started to show up at both her home and work and had started sending her threatening messages and phone messages on her phone. He had even gone so far as to saying that the next time that he came to her house, that he was going to set himself on fire on her front porch and that he was going to burn down her house with her and her husband inside of her house. He had also sent her text messages saying that he felt that the only way that he could stop calling her and stop stopping or stop going by her house every month was if he killed himself. He felt that he had no control that he couldn't stop stalking her, he couldn't stop calling her, that he was in love with her, and he was obsessed with her. And he felt that the only way that he could stop that was either if she killed him or if he killed himself. Also in the restraining order, she told the judge how Mr. Ramin had admitted to her in one of his text messages that he had a history of domestic violence arrest from his relationship with his ex-wife. So combined with his history of domestic violence arrest from his ex-wife and the fact that he kept calling her, even though she'd had her phone number changed three times, the fact that he was showing up at her work and showing up at her house, and now it had escalated to him making threats against her, her husband, and also saying that he was going to burn down her house. You know, she wanted this restraining order for 99 years. One year was just not going to be enough for her. Um, 
in the restraining order, she also told the courts that she had just had major back surgery. So Zahara had fell at work one day and wound up injuring a couple discs in her back. Due to that, she wound up having to have major back surgery. And for a while, she even had to walk with a crutch as she was healing. During this healing process, she was afraid that because her back was still in the healing process, she was having to use a cane and it affected her mobility, that she felt that she really had no way to protect or defend herself. Therefore, she wanted to make sure that the judge and the courts granted her that restraining order. Also in the restraining order, Zahair said, quote, all of this has caused me great distress and pain, and now I am suffering a deep-seated fear for my safety. It has taken a toll on my recovery and to get better for my back surgery, unquote. This all came to a horrifying conclusion on Friday, March the 11th. So about 1.45 in the morning, Zahair's mother wound up hearing somebody break into their home. She wasn't sure what exactly was going on, but she heard glass breaking in one of the spare bedrooms. And then she heard a bunch of shouting and screaming out in the hallway. So knowing that she couldn't really leave her bedroom because somebody was out in the hallway, Zahara's mother wound up break, or going out of her bedroom window and going to the neighbor's house to call 911. So when she got to the neighbor's house, she called 911 and said that somebody had broken into her daughter and son-in-law's house. She heard some screaming in the hallway and she thought that she'd heard some gunshots as well. So of course the police knew that Zahair had had a restraining order and that she also had several issues with this truck driver, Ramin. The police were very, very um, comfortable with the situation, knew what was going on. And so they got there as soon as they possibly could. When the police showed up at Zahair's house, they did find her husband, Nazir, and he was laying right in the threshold between the front door and the outside of her porch. Police immediately tried to get to Nazir and pull him out of the front door, out onto the porch, and noticed that he was shot in the chest and also in his arm. They tried to perform CPR on him on the front porch, but unfortunately, Nazir died right there on the scene. A few minutes later, the police started to make their way inside the home, and that's when they found Zahir on the living room floor where she had been shot and killed. Next to Zahir, they did find the truck driver, Ramin, where he also had died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. So unfortunately, even though Zahir had done everything she possibly could to try to prevent this stalking situation from going horribly wrong, by trying to report everything, trying to get a restraining order that the police were unable to serve on Ramin, Ramin had showed up at her house, just like he had said, on the morning of March 11th and wound up killing both her and her husband and then killing himself with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. So unfortunately, this is a horrible case and it had a horrible conclusion. Um, the police were saying that, you know, they did everything they could to try to prevent this from happening. But it just, it was so hard for them because he was an over-the-road truck driver who was all over the country. They were never able to serve that restraining order against him. So just a horrible, super sad case. I'm, some, I'm sure 
when you look over everything, it probably was a case that maybe could have been prevented had they been able to serve him with the restraining order. But then again, we all know that there's so many cases out there where people get served with restraining orders, and that's not a deterrent either. So it was a horrible, sad case of a truck driver who just became obsessed with this podcast host and unfortunately ended in a horrible tragedy. I want to thank you guys so much for listening to our Trucking True Crime podcast. I'm going to have another podcast episode out for you uh, later on this week. This one has to do with a truck driver that went missing almost 20 years ago. This is a really weird case and one that I don't think we really know how it truly ends. It's got a lot of twists and turns in it. But we'll be discussing that case later on this week, so please be sure that if you don't already, follow us so that you can be notified when the next podcast episode comes out. And as always, be safe, my roadies. Thank you so much, my true crime roadies, for giving our podcast a listen. We really appreciate you listening to our Trucking True Crime podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to visit our Instagram page or our TikTok page, also Trucking True Crime Podcast. And don't forget that you can visit our Facebook page as well. Again, Trucking True Crime Podcast. Be sure to like, share, and follow, and be sure to share out our podcast to all your friends. We'll be back here next week with another great episode. Thank you so much, my true crime roadies. Be safe out there. Thank you.